up, y'all? This is hey. Atiana. And I'm Remy. And welcome to AR Vibes, the musically bossed up podcast where we discuss music, life, and bossing up, period. Before we get into today's episode, let's pay respect to Anchor. Hey, shout out Anchor. The app where you can create, distribute, and monetize your podcast right from your phone. And who doesn't love easy money? Not for real. Not only is it easy money, but it's also easy to use. You can record, edit, and add your clips right from the source. And keep in mind, y'all, this is a 100% free hosting and distribution site, period. So there's no need to worry about running out of storage or having to pay any of those membership fees. And best of all, it automatically distributes to all podcast listeners' favorite platforms. So accessibility isn't even an issue. Now, let's get back to it, y'all. So guys, welcome back. Today's episode is going to be a little different, just a little bit. But today we have a man of many different hats, so much we couldn't even really put a title on it. He's a very low-key person. So thank you for coming on the show to, you know, tell us a piece of your story. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, most definitely. Yeah. So... A while back, uh, I guess we have as Elias, and a while back we had a conversation about religion and beliefs. And the conversation we had, it lasted about what? How long? Like we was there for like three hours. Yeah, three or four hours. It it was a it was a long conversation, and I was just amazed because, correct me if I'm wrong, you're an atheist, correct? Yes, uh, agnostic atheist, uh, to be precise. Okay, okay, Wait, okay. What's the difference? I thought those were two different. Yeah, I thought those were two different things. Yeah, me yes. too. The difference is, um, uh, agnostic just is a uh, is you saying basically the knowledge of something is knowable or unknowable, and then atheist is a statement of belief. So one is about knowledge, and one is about belief. So you put it together, I'm saying. The knowledge of whether God exists or not is not really verifiable, but I exist as if he doesn't or it doesn't. Gotcha. And before we actually get into this conversation, y'all, just a disclaimer. If this makes you uncomfortable, you could go ahead and watch the next, listen to the next episode. If you, I don't know, just not into this type of topic, click the next episode. Because it is a very controversial, serious topic. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like it's definitely needed just within the space, just because this is this is true. You know, you're going to come in contact with people who are atheists or I'm sorry, what was the first word that you said, Elias? Agnostic atheist. But you, we could just work off of atheist. Atheist. Okay. okay. So like, yeah, even for me, like I was a little nervous um, speaking on this topic just because I am a Christian. And I don't want it to come off to people that I'm not a Christian or even to mm. you, Elias, just like I'm disrespecting you or I'm yeah. trying to push you to believe what I believe. Or so like anything I say, like, don't take it. Yeah, just don't <laughs> take it as like disrespect or anything because I'm not meaning anything to be disrespectful. It's just like to hear more about like you and like what you got going on and just to, you know, be able to understand it more and really have it so whenever we do meet other people who are like you you know it's 
it's not awkward. It can be something more comfortable with. An open conversation about right. beliefs. It doesn't, there's no judgment. It's just, you believe what you believe and hey, because you're going to, this world is filled with people of all kinds of different beliefs. So you're going to bump into them. Y'all learn how to interact with them and respect exactly. them and respect their beliefs. So just like how everything is going on with this whole, you know, Black Lives Matter issue and just how some people are on the fence, like saying all lives matter. It's uncomfortable conversation that needs to be had. Right. So go ahead. Yes, I agree. So, you know, just to get into the, the deep dive of that, now that we got that out the way, the beginning, the genesis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on our side, the genesis. On our <laughs> side, the genesis, yeah. But, um, so did, were you ever once a believer or, and if so, what was your religion? Yes, ma'am. I was a Christian for 25 years of my life. I'm 27 now. Okay. Uh, we was born into it because uh, my dad, ironically, he converted into Christianity at 25. What was he before? He was Muslim or Muslim. Oh. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so if you don't mind me asking too, like what did he ever tell you? Like why he converted? What made him change? Yeah, it was uh, my grandma. She uh, she started she because the whole household was Muslim. Right. Mm hmm. Uh, it was also a polygamous household, uh, meaning that uh, my grandma. Oh wow! Types, yeah. But so he had how many? You just said many. My granddad had five. Gotcha. Five, and they were all living in the house. Yes, ma'am. It was a. Uh, it was something, you know. <laughs> but uh, so he was kind of the patriarch of the house, so he was a Muslim. But because mm -hmm. dude got five wives, you know, you can't keep a track. You can't keep track of them, like. You would with one, at least mm -hmm. in rate. So she started going to church because she was she used to fall ill a lot. So she would go to the church um, by our, our house in Nigeria to get uh, like prayers done. And then eventually, I think she had to get my dad to help her go one time because she couldn't go by herself. And just like that, he slowly started going. Uh, he said the lifestyle was different. He enjoyed it. He enjoyed the energy of the people. So and, one of his wives wasn't Muslim. She was Christian. Uh, she converted to Muslims, yeah. Which was my dad's mom. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's how he started going through her, taking her to church. And then by 25, he uh, he converted. And just stayed Christian ever since then. Yeah, very much so. Never even wavering. <laughs> so how was that? How was your childhood like uh, with him? being converted. And I'm sure he, by that time, by the time you were born, he was like heavily into the church. How was that? Yeah. So he was, uh, but I think I was born, he was 30 or 31. So he's been in it for a minute. Uh, so we grew up in a very religious household, but very, uh, yeah. But I would say also spiritual, like in the context people use it today. Um, mm -hmm. balance. And if I had to choose, I'd probably say we were more spiritual than religious. Mm -hmm. uh, Compared to other Africans, because um, they could get very legalistic with the way they practice yeah. their religion. Uh, but my dad, he always made sure um, it was about your personal relationship with the Word and with God. So, like, if we even if we go to like a church, hear a sermon, or even after he talks to us, he would always say, "Now go back and read your own Bible and see what the Word says to you." 
So that mm-hmm. I like that. Always good growing up. Read it for yourself and let the spirit talk through you. So oh. for you, it was just like as a kid, just like having to grow up within that type of environment, seeing like different types of religion and spirituality. I'm pretty sure that was kind of confusing or it kind of just led you to like really question the overall greater higher power. So did you ever see yourself like losing faith or not being in the church? No, I did not because uh, we was here in America. We were pretty isolated from our family that was Muslim. So everyone around us was Christian. So that was literally all I was around. So Mm -hmm. there was even a question about maybe let me go check over what they're doing over there. Now I'm talking about, or let me go see what they're talking about in the temple across the street. Mm -hmm. Christianity or bust. So you mentioned, um, like he asked you to read the word for yourself and then just hear, see what you would hear from God. Mm -hmm. Did you ever hear from God or were you just reading at a discipline of your dad telling you? Um, so if you would ask me back then, I would say yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, being out of it now, I kind of understand how all that stuff works, but yeah, I would, I would say, uh, at, at least at the time, I thought I was hearing from God, like through dreams. I remember one time I um something I used to be like a real uh stingy with money and a bit of a hustler, but not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Low key scamming people. I was and about I, to say, what do you mean hustling? Okay, city boy. <laughs> uh, it was only buying like a candy and then selling it for like three, four hundred percent. Uh, but like doing it in a way where people don't have a choice but to buy the candy from me. Uh, so I was, mm-hmm. and I remember one night I had a dream. It was me in like a high rise, all pearl, uh, in the middle of the city. Everything was pearl, and I was in like this silk robe with gold embroidery, staring out over the uh, city and shit. And I remember in the dream, like I just saw fire coming from beneath me. And then at fire just started raining down. Now I'm talking about, so when I woke up, I was scared. And I thought that was God's way of telling me uh, I have to get right money. Yeah. I actually did like a three day, seven day fasting and prayer after that uh, with no food as like eight year old. So oh, wow. those are the ways I thought God was speaking to me. So like before you said back then you used to think that God was speaking to you, but now you said you have a better understanding. Can you elaborate? What do you mean by that? Yeah. So uh, like I said, most of it was through dreams when I thought God would speak to me. So now understanding dreams and how the subconscious works a little bit more, like things you're stressing about, uh, traumatic experiences throughout the day or in general, or um, underlying um, traumatic experiences that you've never actually confronted, they tend to manifest in dream form, but in different ways. Um, So now if I have a dream about something, the question is, why is this dream coming up? What am I not, what problem am I not not facing head on versus something's trying to speak to me? Because your subconscious is always going to try to speak to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is like more of a science aspect of it okay it's just trying to let you know uh hey there's something going on that you need to be aware of Mm -hmm. so now uh like how's that being with family who is still christian and have those beliefs or muslim because i'm sure your family's like half and half right Mm -hmm. but uh we don't got no muslims on this side okay Uh, so it's just mainly christians how is it like it's um 
it's interesting uh, because one, you can uh, being out of Christianity kind of like takes off the veil from your eyes to see what ways Christianity perpetuates a lot of dangerous narratives. So when people say things, you pick up on it differently. Like, I don't know if that's the best thing to say in this situation or wow, you just dismiss what that person just said because prayer or whatever. And then also people being generally insensitive, uh, talking about I'm a burning hell or, or talking about uh, I need to be saved or, um, getting holy waters poured on you at 3 a.m. get splashed out of nowhere yeah like wait that happened to you that happens to me it just oh so oh wow yeah she she gave me extra she gave me extra dose because she said i need it so what was that like initial conversation did you like sit down with your parents and your family and like tell them you were switching are you switching your life up or like how'd that go this was something I battled with with myself for, I want to say at least four years. And by I can imagine, because even then we didn't speak on this, but your dad is a preacher, right? Right, exactly. Uh, and we got a church that I that I taught Sunday school in, taught um, uh, Bible study in, uh, mm. music department. I I was very involved in that church, you know. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, so I battled with it for like four years, but at the point where I realized I don't resonate with this at all, I just sat him down and told him, hey, um, I don't believe in God no more. So since that happened, like you said, your mom's like splashes holy water on you. Mm-hmm. Like, do they still make you participate in Bible studies or like going to church? No, they don't. Um, like she tries now, she tries to like guilt trip me talking about um Cause I like tears. I, I get weird with tears, you know? Uh, so she'll probably get like sad in front of me talking about, I want you to come to church and shit. Yeah. Or, shit like that. But I mean, even when I do go, it always turns into like a deliverance service for me. Mm. So, you know, we're a position as well, like casting out demons and shit. It's happened at least five times and no demon has left yet. So I'm confused. Like out of you. <laughs> Yes, he expects some like uh, exorcism <laughs> stuff to go on. Yeah, or like even I don't know. I guess I should feel different when I leave, right? If y'all mm-hmm. casting something else, and then y'all talking about yes, the battle is won. First of all, who's fighting? Second of all, I feel the same. Mm. So that was one of the reasons why I stopped going to. So how do you feel like your relationship, like with them, like has it like? progressed or is it like at a standstill like does it feel like you're they're even you know still your parents in that way because I feel like now it's like it's and you're still living with them like just awkward energy because my personality is not something um I don't know if you feel awkward around me that's that's your business mm-hmm. do nothing about it. this is something I can't change if I could I probably would because it's easier to exist as a Christian within our community like the black community in general um, but I, I mean, I don't feel no way. I know they do because they be saying subtle shit all the time. But I mean, that's not my problem. I was just going to ask, like, with your siblings, um, have they taken like after your belief as well, or are they still Christians? Um, so my siblings, um, my older sister, she's she's married off, uh, married off. She is married. 
Um, so we don't talk as much. She's probably the one that gave me the most shit out of the four, the three of them. Uh, but my two younger ones, they they over here on some live and let live type shit. Because um, I, I, get, I would probably say I, I was the most religious one out of us four. Where they're at versus where I'm at now doesn't really matter to them because it was never as serious for them as it was for me. If that makes sense. And you're the oldest? No, I'm second. Oh, okay. Did so I make- feel like more from their standpoint is what I'm getting from it is it was kind of just growing up. These are the things we have to do. So now it's just kind of a routine to them. It's not really like they're strict serious belief system that they're going by like this is my faith like they know it's their faith but it's because they've been programmed to have it as their faith um i would say to a certain degree but they're still like um i mean they still believe in the christian god jesus and all that mm-hmm. uh, it's not uh as legalistic as um someone who grew up in this household would be they're very like uh, my me and my sister talk about it all the time Uh, She even mentioned like some things in the Bible, you know, it's probably put there by men or stuff like that. Like for us to grow up in this household and be able to say that means that she's pretty liberal with uh, her version of Christianity. So it it doesn't, um, it's not that they're just going through the routines. They, they just understand that this is what they believe and um, you can believe it without doing a lot if that makes sense doing the traditional practices uh, yeah yeah like it's, gotcha. it's more relationship based you know yeah. and ha- you have to go that's, to church or you're not a christian that's not true yeah right. like in the household i was raised in it was like we had to go to church we participated mm-hmm. about fellowship church camps bible studies vacation bible yeah school, it was oh. like heavily about that but then also similar to like how your dad said oh read the word for yourself my mom she was also that type of parent where she was she would tell me like oh we're gonna have bible study today and we'll just like read the bible mm-hmm. and then she'll ask us like what do you think happened like what do you think god is trying to say or you know yeah like during the scene what do you think the person learned um mm-hmm. and then as i got too. go ahead bible studies i used to love bible studies Keep i on. love them but <laughs> but and now that i'm older i would say like once i got to high school slash college I would definitely say my relationship got closer to God yeah and same. It, yeah and I, I'm assuming because like you just experienced so much more once you're at, in college like uh you don't have your parents to lean on so it's like who else do you turn to mm-hmm. so, that was exactly the same for me like you said literally growing up in it having to do bible study at home together but it wasn't really like um expressed as much so like hey go read this word on your own and you know find out a meeting for yourself it was always like this is the meaning for it and you know just like staying strict within it and always every time there was an argument we always had to confront it and then pray about it afterwards right so it was always just like okay this is a routine thing for me I didn't realize but I was always like any issues that I had like I prayed so hard about those issues and it was just so much for me, just I live by believing and not by seeing. I had so much faith within me just whenever a certain situation would happen in my childhood, like that shouldn't have happened as a child and I would pray on them and mm-hmm. God would work them out for me. So just having that faith, like I knew he was there, but at the same time, like I didn't have the relationship personally for myself, if that makes sense. It was always, I knew my grandparents would be there to like mm. 
instill that relationship for me. So I didn't have to try as hard. But once I got to high school and college, you know, I was more on my own having to drive myself places. And yeah. I was like, you know what, let me, you know, let me start this relationship by myself. And it helps it blossom even more into something more um, personal and just more devoted to me and like what I have going on. Yeah. Same, so same. I completely get that. But I, I wanted to ask Elias about, you had said, um, you know, you feel like the, the black community is mostly wrapped up in Christianity. Like what makes you feel that way or make that type of statement? Oh, well, history um democratization (laughs) and um uh, slavery in america um christianity was heavenly impressed upon us to make us a little bit more docile which in the end didn't work for them uh because christianity is also was a very important in the civil rights movement at least in america but yeah, Christianity was uh, superimposed on us in order to kind of put us, in, have us be put in place, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to where they would weaponize text in the Bible, specific texts in the Old Testament that endorsed slavery, where Jesus is, slaves obey your master, stuff like that. Those those are specific texts that would weaponize against us. So even the point where they were uh, creating specific Bibles for slaves, um, and then also uh, there was a concerted effort to demonize any type of traditional um, traditional religion. There was a lot of ways Christianity was superimposed on us, and because of what it's what it's helped us do, it's helped deepen the connection with the Black community uh, with Christianity. Also, um, Black people are very spiritual people. We've always been right yeah. from jump uh, in Africa. Like spirituality is uh, central to our identity. So they took away our traditional religions, right? After they demonized it, we had to fill that void somehow as well. So there's many things that go into play um, into uh, Black people's, uh, how we practice religion and how deeply ingrained in our almost DNA it is. I never well you know I, I would hear about that um mainly on social media and like a few people would tell me like oh you know I don't know why you believe because it's a that's the slave master bible or, or whatever and I and to me the way you explained it was more subtle but I've been attacked in a you're stupid for to even think like that's the bible is real mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I believe when it comes to like different uh I guess beliefs it's all in delivery because the way you explained right. it, it sounded like we, like it was an actual conversation. You just tell me what, you know, what is facts because it is known that the the Bible and the word will be used against people. Even to this day with cults, mm-hmm. there's a lot of cults that go based off the Bible and like twist the words or only choose certain parts of the Bible to enforce on its people to have a following. Especially on the internet. Uh, internet's not a place to have any type of, meaningful discussion they're very quick to attack especially like the uh uh i mean it could come from all angles like the black israelites um you got uh muslims as well like the uh, five percenters the nation of islam which is ironic because before christianity enslaved us islam did but that's a different conversation so they they and then it comes with like uh with monotheistic religions and exclusive religions there's kind of this superiority complex 
Um, so mm -hmm. I feel like I'm in this religion, it's the best and you are inferior. It may not be explicitly stated, but it's heavily implied or else why would they try to convert you to come to their side? Cause they feel like mm -hmm. something about it, right? So it's, it's very combative when you try to have these discussions amongst religions, religious people specifically. So is there, what exactly, I'm so confused on like what exactly you believe in, you know? Like, is, do you believe in there's a higher power at all? Or what do you like believe like how we came to be? Uh, a common misconception about atheism is that atheism is answering questions, whereas it's just more so opting out of whatever narrative uh, we have. Because atheism makes no claims. It just is. Um, I don't think there is, so I'm stepping out. It's it's a it's a negative claim, you know. We're not making any positive assertions. So when I say I'm an atheist, it doesn't really say what I believe in. It just says what I don't. Now, when you talk mm -hmm. about, and that's that's obviously a more expansive conversation because unlike y'all, where y'all can say I'm a Christian, and already there's like certain beliefs or ideologies tied in with it. Mm -hmm. and, Really do that as simply so I'd have to like literally sit here and explain a bunch of like I mean I could say I'm a secular humanist that's kind of a, a term that a lot of mainstream people don't know um, so it um, saying what I believe in is a little bit harder to say than it is for everybody else atheism just says what I don't believe in so have you um, watched the story of God with Morgan Freeman on Netflix yeah, I've started, but I, I haven't finished it. I think I'll the first episode. So, so like when I started, um, I thought I thought about you when we had our conversation. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know this about Morgan Freeman, but I never just gave it the second chance to think about it. But um at the very beginning, he kind of explained how he has like all kinds of Bibles and um religions in his house because he just believes in a higher power or Basically, the afterlife, I think, is what he was mainly getting to. He just believes that there is an afterlife, but does he believe anyone that's over it? No. Mm -hmm. So, would you believe, do you believe that there's an afterlife, or do you think the science part, like, once you're dead, you're dead? When I die, I die. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't believe in afterlife at all, or a higher power, at least not in the conventional sense. Um, I believe that, uh, kind of like the cliche, um, love and empathy when used properly is a lot more powerful than what people uh, think. Because uh, that, to me, that was the most appealing thing about God, like his abilities to love us seemingly. Right. Right. Um, that was, that was the most comforting thing about it. Because uh, if no one, if you couldn't turn to no one else, or if you couldn't uh, confide in nobody else, you always had God because he always listened. And he will always love you regardless what you do, because he sees everything you do. So he knows the worst of you and loves you. So I think that's that idea of love is what drew me in the most. Knowing mm -hmm. that it's what you do, there's something that always loves you. So if I had to if I had to say I believed in something, it'd be love, empathy as a higher power. But but I don't believe in higher power in the traditional sense of a uh, sentient being or uh, so the emotions is what you believe in 
So that's, that's kind of like what my next question kind of was about what, like the Bible, it kind of says the objective moral values are based within God's moral, perfect nature, his moral compass. So without God, what do you exactly think they, those are based in? Um, so without God, so human, human beings um, are a, a social species, right? Like the only way we can survive this much is uh, cooperating with each other and working together with each other. In order, mm-hmm. there's a basic level of empathy each person has to have for each other. And when you talk about empathy, you're talking about not only treating others how you want to be treated, but understanding how others want to be treated as well and doing as such. So that is what kind of guides my moral compass, like being able to listen to people, empathize with them, understand how they receive, um, I guess, positive energy, for lack of a better word, or love, mm-hmm. able to give it as such, understanding that this can bring us together and together we can move forward. So that's how you plan on raising your future children, your family to be just based on those moral compass values. Um, Would you say your significant other has to have those same beliefs that you have? Um, Yeah, uh, I don't, she doesn't have to be, um, she doesn't have to be atheist, uh, but she would definitely have to be, um, in whatever religion she believes in, very liberal and be secure in her idea of God that me saying something won't cause trouble every time. But and waver her belief. Yeah, but as long as she's operating off of love and empathy, um, then there's a lot that um, I, I don't really care about because that's the most important things to me. So like if she wants the kids to go to church with her, like are you opposed to going to church or would you go to church just to please her? Uh, not not more so just to please her, but just, um, uh, I mean, it's a it's a family event. Um, I, I want us to operate as a family as much as possible. So if going to church is something they want, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go with my kids, my wife and kids. Well, see, my dad, he was not, I'm not sure what his religion was, but um, like him and my mom, what she would call is unequally yoked. Mm-hmm. And that's also mentioned in the Bible. Basically, they didn't have the same beliefs. Right. Um, and so he was actually the one that always tried to make us stay at home, watch SpongeBob. He said he'll get uh-huh. us Burger King. Like he did not want us to go to church for some reason. I don't I have no idea why. But um, at least you have like, you know, an open mind and set family value to still mm-hmm. do it to have your family go as one. Yeah, because I mean, like I said, that's a decision everybody got to make for themselves if you decide to leave faith or the faith, whatever faith it is. Um, I can't force you to do that or else it basically be me being uh, superimposing uh, my beliefs on you as Christians sometimes superimpose their beliefs on others. You know, it has to be a personal decision. So with that, do you believe in free will? I do not believe in free will. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that? Um, And I could be wrong. Anybody could challenge me on this uh, if they want. Um, But the way I see it is none of us had a choice in coming to existence, right? None of us had a choice in coming to life. We just kind of showed up here one day. 
And when we showed up here, we didn't have a choice in who we came through or who we passed through, uh, meaning whose genes we picked up on the way. And then also we didn't have a choice where we were placed. Those things are vital in a person's development, right? So the way you react to things, um, the way you, uh, the decisions you make are all kind of um, laid out for you. Yeah, kind of guided by those just two things right there. You know, like if I was born in, I don't know, uh, Malaysia, there's a good chance I'd be Muslim, a Muslim. So us coming to this planet and how we operate in it, I don't think there's free will in the sense most people think we have free wills. We have choices, mm-hmm. but our choices are limited by our genes and our environment. I think to a certain extent, but you can always, like you said, we have choices. So you have the free will to change the way your environment is around you. You don't have to stay in the hood because that's where you were born and that's what you were around and that's what you were subject to. Like you have a choice to better yourself, to better your surroundings, to, to network with other people and to get out. That that's a fact, but like let's say somebody grew up in a house with um, uh, a mother who um, maybe is not the most encouraging, and a father who wasn't in, encouraging it as well. Like they never put any type of energy behind the kid. When the kid showed any promise, they never fed it. Um, they never fed the kid's curiosity. So you you could say you don't have to be here, but the person has to believe it. But because they were never um, they were never supported in that way, they won't believe it. And it's because they were born to who they were born to at that time in that place. So you believe free will, if it was to exist, it should start from the very beginning of life. Yeah, like I should be able to choose who I come through, when I when I come and how I come and with what I come. How you stepping through. <laughs> yeah, let's say Christianity is real, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, been in hell, right? Um, so if I was in heaven, God asked me, do you want to go to the, down to earth? I'd be like, yeah. And I'm like, hold up. But if you go, you'll be subjected to these two choices. At that point, I have, I have the free will to choose. But because that conversation never happened, me being put into this world with those two choices that will be affected by how I exist in the world, it, I don't really see it as fair and doesn't seem like free will could exist if uh, Christianity ex- exists as well. So I could be wrong. Um, I'm not a Bible scholar, mm. but um, I know within the Bible, like after Jesus came and, uh, you know, sacrificed himself from that point, it was free will. So even though many of us, like, let's say we're set during the times, uh, well, actually during Christ, not before him, but during um, so let's say we were sitting during that time and then after his death, it was like, okay, we have the point now from like, of course, we're going to be warned. Of course, we got to be, be able to multiply and bring life into this world. Right. Kind of like how IT said, even though your circumstances around you, that's also where I would see as like, okay, let's say I didn't have an encouraging mother or father. That's mm-hmm. when I would find the time and the ability to find God and get closer to him and find him to be the person I will lean on and be my rock within my, my life. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's just interesting to hear from that part. 
so so with like that there's like so many factors like what if you were never born into a society that knew christianity at all or um why is this even a choice at all because i mean if god is the author and creator of everything why did he choose that we have to do it this way because the bible even says most people won't make it so you made this existence where you know most people will go to hell or perish but you still carried on as such why did not why didn't you make a better plan in the first place or why didn't jesus come from the jump you know there's so many questions um to to kind of be like why does it have to be that way and then if god knows everything he knows how everything will begin and end the day you're born your your fate has already been decided right because he already knows how it's gonna end so he knows who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. And because he's God and he's uh, omniscient, uh, he should know exactly what it would take to convert people if he wants to save the most amount of people as possible, right? But obviously people don't get saved. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's examples of the Bible where God went out of his way to save people. Paul is a perfect example on the world to Damascus before he changed his name to Paul, his name was Saul. He was going to go to per- persecute some Christians. I was about to say he was a bad person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but on the way, God revealed Himself to him. So, God, if God knew exactly what it took to change Saul's mind, He should know exactly what it takes to change everyone else's mind to where everyone becomes Christian. Because in that sense, I mean, God, it's it's, it's hard to explain. Because- and I believe that He does. But from my standpoint, just how I try and look at it, how I feel about it, it's he. I feel like he lets these bad things happen just because he believes, or I believe he uses it to cleanse us and to mature us and to keep us from, you know, never being shallow people. Because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, not like you said, not everybody's going to heaven. And he knows that not everybody's going to heaven. I, I don't know if it's considered life or not, but he had a a world already that was existing before he made this world mm-hmm. and Satan lived in that world. Satan did some fucked up things, pushed Satan down here. And once he created Adam and Eve, like he knew like they were going to have issues. He knew that there was going to be sin that was going on in the world, but mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure he's just weeding out the good and the bad people at this point. Like seeing how, who's going to, you know, really be subjected to him and who's going to follow him and live by his standards and his belief. And then in the end, they'll have eternal life and go to where we're supposed to be and what everlasting life is and what all good things are. And there won't be any of this. Well, if God is real, why does he let bad things happen to good people? So when you mentioned um, God uses or he does things that he knows will convert someone. Uh Do you believe or do you ever think this will happen that he has shown you or will show you, from my perspective, him being God, uh, will show you something, but you just kind of like brush it off and it's like, oh, that just happened because, you know, it was just meant to happen. No, because, <laughs> because like I said, he knows exactly what it would take to convert me. So mm-hmm. does something and he already knows it wouldn't convert me, then it's not enough, right? So he should know exactly what avenue, what route he needs to take in order to show, reveal himself to me. And that's, I mean, that's something I asked for. I mean, low key, you've been asked since you were a kid, right? Like everybody wants to see God. But yeah. even more fervently, especially towards the end, 
because I was so hesitant to let go of my faith, I was asking God, reveal yourself to me, like show me who you are, uh, lead me to truth. But I mean, and I was acting honestly and earnestly and it happened. Um, so um, he knows what it takes. And if he is out there and he chooses not to save me, then um, I, I don't see how that would be on me or how that would be a choice for me to make when he's gone out of his way before to save other people. Why am I different? Why am I less worthy? So in the Bible, it does say something about um, skepticism and about about God. And it's a result of the mind suppressing what is known to be true. So have you ever tried doubting your doubts about God? Oh, yeah. I mean, you you know, questioning your thoughts is not something that ever stops. At least mm-hmm. someone who's always trying to grow and shit. Um, so even to this day, I will uh, listen to a lot of Christian apologists. I listen to a lot of sermons. Um, if there's a debate between a Christian and atheist, I'll always listen to see because um, I, I could still be wrong. Because um, I'm not definitively saying God doesn't exist. You can't say that. No one knows. Because how would you define God in order to say he doesn't exist? So mm-hmm. I'm still very open to the idea of coming back. And I'm not just dismissing or just keeping a closed ear to anybody who says, um, I think I have found the truth. If somebody comes to me like that, I'm like, all right, cool. Let's 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 chop it up. Let's see what's up. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work. Because, you know, I, I got questions and people can't answer the questions. Mm-hmm. What questions do you have? Huh? What questions do you have? Um, or at least one of the questions, your top. So one of the questions uh, that I have. Um, I'm just curious. He's going to hit us with it. Right? I'm, I'm just like, mm, what you got to ask? Now, this is all specific to the Christian God because that's what I came out of. Mm-hmm. So right. the question is why violence was needed in the Bible at all. Um, Like, why did God move with so much anger in the Old Testament? Like, what was necessary about that? A lot of the things I see flawed in men is um, that they react off uh, anger a lot, emotional off that, and do harmful things just because it's, it's within their power to do. And they get checked by other guys who can check them, but who can check God, right? So it's like, and then you have a God that can do anything and choose any approach, but he still chooses violence. Why would a benevolent, all-loving God, and John, it says, God is love. Never in any type of love I've seen or recognized is violence or subjugation needed, is worship or glorification needed. None of that submissiveness, is, that's not needed in any type of love I recognize. So that would be like a big one. Oh, why was he so angry in the Old Testament? Yeah, the Bible says he's a vengeful God. Why would God need vengeance? Like, the Jesus tells us to turn the cheek, turn the other cheek, but God is out here doing revenge. Like, you're supposed to be our ultimate example of goodness. Like, I'm aspiring to be like you. Um, I, I don't, I don't see jealousy as a positive trait. Mm-hmm. I don't as a positive trait. Like, I'm human, so I exhibit those emotions. But you're a perfect being. Who would you ever be jealous of, bro? It doesn't make sense. Well, I believe from from the Old Testament, like you do see like God burning people and like, you know, getting like having them drop it, you know, at, at the drop of a dime. Mm-hmm. Um, 
why was he like that? I'm not sure. I also know like within the Bible, it says that it's a mystery and that's something, not everything about God is needed to be known because he is just that vast. Uh, I know in the Old Testament, they were pretty much, you know, just doing whatever, going against what he said. So like you said, human human feelings, like if someone kept telling, if you kept telling someone not to touch something, they kept doing it, you would get fed up and angry. Yes. So in the Old Testament, he was for sure like, okay, you gone, bye. Next, you gone, bye. Like, why, why, why do y'all keep disrespecting me? Mm-hmm. He wasn't with it. But in the New Testament, um, and I know that a lot of people find, especially people in this day and age, they relate more to the New Testament God right. because of that loving side. Like, okay, God, he he don't play at all. We know that from the Old Testament, but mm-hmm. we also see that his love trumps the anger. Despite us being doing X, Y, Z, we still know that he's an awesome God and he's there to like help us and guide us. Because plenty of times in the, in the New Testament, there's people who strayed off path, but he was still guiding them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's how I would answer that question or view to answer that question. Yeah, I don't think he, he directly intended evil, but obviously he didn't say like directly he was against evil, but I feel like he didn't directly intend for it to happen. And like she said, like it's, it's a lot of things are unknowing, which I, I get how some people could, you know, they have questions and they need these questions to be answered in order to believe and have the faith. So it's it's just like a sticky situation, I feel like. Yeah. But I don't think it was intended to be vengeful or made like he's a jealous God or... So, so then my question would be, what about with the Pharaoh and the Egyptians? Because at one point, uh, the Pharaoh was going to let the Egyptians go, but God mm-hmm. actually hardened his heart. That way he can display his power through the 10 plagues. So if it wasn't attention, then what was that? I think in order for like good things to happen, mm-hmm. some bad things have to happen. It's sad to say. Yeah. We may not directly choose evil because, you know, we hope some type of greater good will come from it. And I'm pretty sure, like, I mean, obviously, like, I'm not the Bible scholar either, but some type of positive situation had to have came from that scenario. I think it also allowed um, all people involved in the situation, you know, to see like, okay, so he wasn't going to let us go, but he didn't. And then it just it just increased the faith so much more. And of course, they lost that faith in the wilderness. But, you know, it increased so much more, um, like seeing, going through that entire emotional process. Mm-hmm. So that's also mentioned in the Bible. Like sometimes you have to go, like how Ati mentioned, you have to go through things to increase your faith and to lead you back to God and say, okay, yes, you are real. Yeah. Um, I don't want to turn this into a debate. So if y'all feel like it's getting to that point, y'all can just cut me off. <laughs> something uh, that you mentioned you said um god is vast mysterious and we can't really explain them so mm-hmm. as a human there was another way you and god as well you said um he had to do certain things uh through violence in order to get the israelites to listen because um they kept disobeying him or whatever uh, and then you likened it to me being human that I would react away. 
But the thing is, with God's vastness and him not being human, why would he react that way? Because what, what would be more impressive, right? It'd be somebody who chose love every single time. Because at some point, we're humans, we do expect to react in violence and anger. But what's seriously impressive is somebody who constantly chooses love or constantly chooses reasoning uh, uh, and speaking to people in love in order to get their point across and not subjugation, no matter how many times they disobey. Like humans, we're, we have a cap. We have a cap. You know, we get angry. It's human. But God is supposed to be, uh, I think in Job, it says God is to... Our thinking is to God's thinking as the grass is to the sky. No one knows where the sky ends. So if we have a cap and God is omni everything, he shouldn't have a cap to where he's like, oh, my God, these people get on my nerves. Thunder, fire. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we still in our in our uh, journey to define God, we limit him. Um, because mm-hmm. we, it's hard for us to experience things outside of our human experience. So we think violence is needed in order to get our point across. But you're talking about a limitless being. The possibilities are endless. So why would the bottom of the barrel be how you react? You know? Gotcha. I see, I see where you're coming from, how that is confusing. How it can be confusing, at least. Yeah. I wish I could answer that honestly and truly. Like I'd be trying so hard to like when people throw these type of questions at me, like I really try and study them and figure out answers to give. It just be so hard. Yeah. I mean, it just shows that I probably just need to study more and like yeah, research more for myself. Um mm-hmm. because I don't when I do study, it's based on my own belief and not really not trying to make someone else convert to Christianity, but you know, when it when it does come to these questions, how to answer versus like sitting there stuck or, you know, like if, if someone's gonna stand behind their belief regardless. And right. at that point you're if you're going back and forth, it's gonna be like, okay. Not even to convert somebody, just to be able to to shed light on and give facts and show love on the situation. Because yeah. like like Elias said, like these are the questions that he has. And if somebody could just really chop it up with him and let him know the answers to these questions he have, you know, it could possibly change his mind on how he feels right now. So just being able to be that word of mouth, be that mm-hmm. soldier and be able to be out here in the field for him and show him that, you know, I'm really in the field. I'm learning what I need to learn. So yeah, it's just like stepping it up on our part and just being a lot more cautious and understanding and just there to like help other people understand it as well as best as we could. But with that being said, y'all, let's go ahead and move into the last segment of the show, Mastering the Vibes. This is where Mm. we ask our interviewees to provide a song and three takeaway to the topic at hand. So if you could go ahead and provide a song for me, yeah, so the song would be Common, uh, G-O-D. Uh, it's one of his old cuts from like the 90s. But basically, uh, it, does, it doesn't accurately represent where I'm at now, but it mm-hmm. is one of the things that started getting the ball. Was a vital role. Yeah, uh, asking questions about why is there specific religions? How come we're not under just one God? 
Like, why do we have to define it this way? Stuff like that. Like, why is there heaven and hell? Shouldn't everyone mm-hmm. talk about heaven? Stuff like that. Okay, we'll check that out too, definitely. And three points on how you effectively work slash network with people who have different belief systems than you. Because so much of the time when you know someone to be or not to be associated with a certain religion, people can tend to judge you and the type of person you are. Mm -hmm. So if you could just give us three effective ways to keep an open mind when getting to know someone of a different belief system than your own. Yeah. So I think what's first and foremost, what people don't do is listen at all. Uh, And all of this is including myself. Um, like um in order to understand where somebody's coming from you have to hear them out um fully understand what it is that they believe um and not so much um how you especially if they if their belief has a label um not everyone's operates uh within that label as the way you think they do right cuz christian obviously has certain connotations but type of um Christianity is different from yours, is different from my pops and them, is is different, you know? Right. Uh listen with open ear and open heart. Uh let go of your biases of whatever it is, whatever preconceived notions you have of whatever they are, and let them speak for themselves. And then from there you can move forward uh into questions. Um be not you don't you don't want to be argumentative, um, uh, but be inquisitive, you know. Yeah. Try to try to fill any holes you have within um, what they're saying. And then also try to ask questions that also lets them think about what they're saying as well. Um, so it doesn't have to be combative at all. Mm-hmm. Um, arguing, uh, don't argue. That's probably the last one. Cause that that one that one just gets people super defensive, mm-hmm. turn sour quick. Like there's a <laughs> comfortable amount of debating that can happen, but a part of listening is paying attention with your eyes and your ears. So that means checking for body language, checking for the verbiage they use, tone, um, actual language they use. All those things kind of set the boundaries of the conversation in the moment, and through that you'll know what are soft boundaries and what are hard boundaries and with that you can know how much uh back and forth y'all can do to where it doesn't just devolve into something uh, a negative argument because you can you can still be argumentative but be positive positive yeah at a certain point arguments just kind of everybody's just talking at each other versus conversing so that'd be like the three points i try to uh use whenever i talk to people because i mean outside of atheism uh i have pretty uh pretty out there politics in general as well so i come across people i don't agree with in almost anything a lot (laughs) so i have to understand where they're coming from a unique individual facts but elias thank you for that um we're going to take those tips on as well Because, you know, not Mm -hmm. everyone is Christian. Uh, Gave us some great knowledge, great discussion and open debate. I don't know if you would call it open debate. I think we were just just conversing on the topic. But thank you for coming on the show. And thank y'all for having me. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. I was nervous in a motherfucker, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, now it's over. (laughs) 